will go through episode by episode of Laws and Law and Order SVU. Hi, so we'll start with episode two, A Single Life. The episode starts with us finding out that Benson does not like a bargain. She's buying tomatoes, and the guy was trying to get her a two-for-one, and she said, no, I'd rather pay full price for one item because that's all I need, and he was not happy. And then it goes with her. It almost seemed like she wasn't even called to this. She just saw flashing lights Double and walked up. Do you want to No, t- but okay, wait, hold on. Before you go on, what made me laugh was because he says, you know, she, she says, I only need one tomato. And he says, pity. And she says, tragic. And right. it just totally made me think of you because that is something you say all the time. Yeah. yeah. And then she, yeah, leaves and notices crime tape and then is, like, pulling out her badge. Oh, yeah, there's a man part. So apparently there was a jumper, and a man who had been parked outside for 20 minutes gets um, a surprise of a woman on his car, and he said, perfect end to a perfect day. The um, officer says, is this your hood ornament? <laughs> She was beautifully strung across the car with a tree branch just, like, perfectly behind her head that I guess she caught on the way down. She had blood, but not... It was in random places. That didn't really make sense. Well, I guess... A hot pink silky dress. Benson asked, did anyone contact SVU? The police officer says, because she's not wearing panties, you mean? And Stabler, I mean Benson, uh, rolls her eyes and said, cover her up. Uh, who did she remind you of, the victim? Um, I yeah. immediately thought of from Laguna Beach and maybe that's just because that show's like starting up again and like you keep seeing those old people you know the old characters that we used to see on MTV all the time like we keep seeing them again so maybe that's why I think she looks like low I didn't really look at her face I guess (laughs) (laughs) and then Benson like is able to ma- I mean, it seems like it's really easy to walk into crime scenes. Maybe I'll try. <laughs> and then Stabler just shows up. Stabler and Benson are all of a sudden... Stabler was already in the apartment when she walked up. Wasn't yeah. he? Well, it just starts, like, the next scene is the two oh, yeah. in the apartment. With, like, the most obnoxious cop ever. He goes, No fourth century, two half glasses of... Two glasses of half-drink wine, two clean sets of prints, lovers quarrel, and Stabler said, usually you kiss and make up. (laughs) Um, And then another cop comes and goes, found a pack of ultra ribs, and the other cop goes, they did a lot more than kiss. (laughs) And she says, yeah, he read a little Walt Whitman, then he made hot, passionate love, Right before he rolled over, fell asleep, he heaved her out the window. Excuse me. I mean, through the window. I googled who Walt Whitman is. In 
and he's an American poet, essayist, and journalist, and humanist. So, a few of his famous quotes are, be curious, not judgmental. It's like all the things white girls put underneath their Instagram. I celebrate myself and sing myself. Do I contradict myself? Very well, then I contradict myself. I am large, I contain multitudes. That was all one quote. Anyways, I just thought it was funny. And then when Olivia said all of that, the obnoxious cop replied, I'm not, a, I'm not sure what this outburst is leading up to. And Olivia goes, rape. <laughs> Stabler, I didn't, he- I'm going to pretend I didn't hear you say that. And he says, I didn't catch your shield. Are you with the political correctness squad? <laughs> and then it ends with the SVU wins the investigation. I guess that's why they're going back and forth like this. Because of the obvious sexual overtones. <laughs> and then the next scene is they're back at her apartment at the crime scene at the crime scene and Stabler's listening to her voicemail but there aren't any and Olivia's downstairs interviewing neighbors and a lady said she heard roughhousing and Olivia says then what and the lady said scream then a crunch and a car alarm going off did you see anyone leave the apartment the lady said like what? I'm su- supposed to stick my head out and look and see, so he can see my face. Did that make any sense? <laughs> I'm asking. Yeah, the lady didn't say that. In New York, Brianna, if you thought something happened, would you just stay in your apartment? Yeah, you call nine one one. You're not gonna like. A, I have too many people close to me. I don't know where it's coming from. If it's even coming from my building, like, I really don't. I've, but I have called nine one one before, and then oh, a, and that's my favorite part. The couple. Are you about to talk about the couple? Yeah, you can go. The couple walks up to them right after she's done talking to the neighbor and asks how long that apartment is going to be a crime scene because they are next on the wait list. And then just, I know a lot of friends who have moved into apartments where crime scenes have happened. I think usually they'll just keep it on the market for a while and hope, like, it dies down because no one wants to move in right away. But I know one person, like, someone was murdered in the apartment. And then the other one, she fell from the... A girl fell trying to climb into the window and died. The, you're off the list. The real estate board. The real estate board. I was like, I don't know. This is not something that I deal with. And then 
Olivia was like, half of them admitted they couldn't tell their neighbors from the perp. And Stabler's like, well, could you? And she was like, "Uh, well, no, but it's because I'm never home. And Stabler said, and people say the suburbs are anonymous, which I was like, what does he mean? Because I feel like in the suburbs is when you, like, know your neighbor. (laughs) And then... Yeah, and he was talking about Queens is a suburb, and she's like, since when? And he's like, I have a lawn to mow. And she's like, bitch, you ain't mowing no lawn. You know your wife is doing it. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, Kathy's the man of the house. (laughs) And then it cuts like a boring scene of Stabler fixing the garbage disposal, and he turned it on. And then his son was like, I put my turtle in the sink. And then I guess that's the way of saying Stabler just murdered the turtle. (laughs) I was like, why? Why is this in here? Then we go back to the court scene with Cassidy, who's like the comic relief, I swear, on this beginning stages of this show. Because he's the newbie. Yeah. Well, it seems like so is Olivia. Like, they're kind of... No, I think Olivia switched from one thing to another to SVU, and he is like a new cop, is what it at least. At least that's what they're portraying for sure, because he's like struggling on the stand. This is the thing where we talked about last week, where they throw in a random case that has nothing to do with the original case. So he's like struggling to say what the perp and it also goes back did you realize that last episode when he's like is it a soul if it's a dead body that's this case oh yeah what happened was someone was dead on the train right yeah and this guy says oh she smiled at me but she was dead and he touches her and then tries to get her hand to touch him and he's like really struggling because he's like what words do I use like yeah he said like he tried to use kind of big words I feel like a lot of them in these like try to use big words like he then attempted to start a conversation upon receiving no response he surmised she was asleep (laughs) I was like, okay. Instead of just saying she, he was like, oh, she's asleep. And then they're like, and then what did he do? He put his hand in her blouse and then took her hand and placed it on his butt. Like he's trying to say balls. And he looks at the judge and he goes, genital region. And then he made him rub him down there until he, until he reached his intended goal. Which I didn't understand. How did he make her do that if she was dead? I still don't understand. And then his, the defense attorney for the guy who did all of this no, can tell that he's, like, nervous and new. And he's like, could you tell us the technical term for fondling a stranger? And he goes, fromage? And the... D- uh, DA goes, I believe is frontage. 
Um, but yeah, that was that case. <laughs> where Crager's unhappy um, that the victim, her name is Gretchen, we find out, has no next of kin that they can locate. Yeah, he told Cragen, you look as happy as a postal worker on Christmas. <laughs> um, then they're going to go, they notice in her date book that she has pretty like regular appointments with a shrink. So they're like, let's go there. Yeah, Cragen goes, somebody knows her story, and Benson goes, her shrink. So then the next scene, they're, like, knocking on his door, and he's like, I don't allow couples or walk-ins. And Olivia's like, we are not a couple. And Stabler defends him and says, since we didn't answer any questions, since he didn't answer any questions, he probably thought it's better to not ask us any. And then the coroner lets them know that there was no signs of struggle. All the injuries she had were from the fall. Yeah, broken neck, ribs, lumbar, all from the fall. And then they're back in Cragen's office, and Olivia said she called everyone the shrink. Everyone the shrink gave up and only got voicemails. Does anyone not answer the phone anymore? <laughs> I just feel like there's several times where this is, like, pointing to us now. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, no one answers their phone. Please don't call me. <laughs> just text me. And then... Stabler then admitted that the shrink was being uncooperative. And he said, well, then get a court order to stop his pussyfooting. <laughs> <laughs> and the phone rings. Um, Stabler has a convo and hangs up. And he goes, I got to tell you, I love computers. <laughs> and he goes, the finger point. The fingerprints match one that they got in Albany, New York State, or that they got in Albany, New York. And then I think Olivia asked if it was the jail. And he's like, no, New York State Department of Psychiatric of Dr. Mark Daniels, which was her therapist. And Cregan goes, well, I guess the pussyfooting is over. <laughs> Did you write what Stabler said back? Yes. yes, and Stabler says, really? I thought it was the absence of one that was insulting. <laughs> so basically the uh, psychiatrist is saying he did go to her apartment, 
but he returned back to the office and he finished his day with patience. So he was at her apartment during the day, not at night, when she fell. No, he went back to that other therapist apartment. No, that was... He said he went back to work at 2.30 and then from 6.30 to 9, he was oh, at yeah. hers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then I'm very suspicious because it's like, why would they say, oh, I was there from 6.30. He was there about 6.30. Yeah, because they went to her office to ask her. Yeah, they go to the hospital that she works at. Um, and then they're like, or Sailor goes, if, does he, does she know about his other relationships with other women? And she goes, we have a professional relationship I have no interest in his personal life. So you can't tell if she's lying or not. Yeah. And then... So then it turns out that Elliot knows one of her contacts and her Rolodex. So they go to his office because he is one of the reporters. So Gretchen is like a writer. She... I guess a freelance writer. Because yeah. she kind of has articles in all different magazines and such and newspapers. So they go to this one office and he's pretty chauvinist as well well he like i just think that's how most of these men are i know they go ahead oh no they just show pictures of the victim i don't know and he's like i don't know her and then they showed the dead body and he's like oh i recognize her from like our competitor's story because we don't do that kind of like gory stuff i guess and then asks if he knows Gretchen, like, says her name, because he was in her Rolodex, and he said, I talked to her on the phone because she would call and say she likes certain columns, but I've never met her. And Olivia's like, but you ran some of her articles. And he goes, I'm a columnist, honey, not an editor. She's just another byline to me. And then... And he's like, you're a babe you and a stone-cold stone cold fox. No, this girl is some deep, deep well you'd fall into. What a waste. And they're getting hot dogs. Oh, yeah? They're getting hot dogs. And Saber says, maybe Munch is right. People should get off their computers more. <laughs> get off or on? Get off have like more personal conversations so then oh. Olivia gets a phone call and it's about Gretchen's credit card and that she go- has gone to this expensive Italian restaurant and just but because she was having regular expensive dinners there right yeah yeah so just out of curiosity I looked it up let me see if I wrote it down on the thing, it gives, like, an address, and it says, Il Pasto Acanto. I mean, it's Italian, so I'm probably not saying anything right. Um, no, it was called El Pasto Vecchio. Vecchio. All I could find was an El Pasto Acanto, which has been open since 1995, so this could be, like, what they're, they're referring to. But I was looking at their menu because like price point and even today it's like 
not that expensive of a restaurant. Um, and I just thought this was funny. I mean, it's not. <laughs> okay, I was just looking at the menu. And, like, broccoli, Rob, like, we spell it R-A-B-E here. But it yeah. says broccoli, rape. I, it's in Italian, a sausage. I don't know. It's grilled, sweet and spicy sausage sautéed in broccoli rape with extra virgin olive oil and garlic. So the title is in Italian. So it says rape, but like that's probably not how it's pronounced. Underneath all of that, in quotes, it says, "Rape is how rape is how it's spelled in Italian." <laughs> And I just thought that was so random that I, like, happened to, like, randomly look up that restaurant, and then that's what it was. Like, I wonder how many people had to say something for them to write that on their flipping menu. Um. <laughs> so they go to this restaurant, and the waitress immediately recognizes her because she has come in with Dallas Warner, who is a big to-do anchor. And she mentions that Gretchen is the one who pays. Or has paid, or did pay. Or like, something. no, she's like, and he, like, left us something about leaving a sweet tip, and they're oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah, he's, like, a f- anchor. And she goes, not him, her. She must be his boss. It's awesome. They go find Dallas. And then he's just, like, a typical self-involved, like, news anchor, like, looking, like, putting makeup on or powdering. I don't know what he was doing. He's looking at himself in a mirror. And he says he was at a restaurant last night where the maitre d' and waiters would be able to confirm that he was there. He asked them to do so without contacting his wife. So he basically was saying, he like pretended he didn't know the victim and then he said he did and then he said, but he was at dinner last night. It was the way he said it because they're like, do you know Gretchen? Does anyone really know anyone? Yeah. And says, don't get philosophical with us. You're just a teleprompter jockey, and we're just cops. And Olivia's like, they're watching him starting to do his, like, nightly news. And she's like, he he's really a sociopath or really believes his own bullshit. And Stabler goes, sociopath. And Olivia goes, what does he think? He's the second coming of Walter Cronkite. I screenshotted who that was. You don't know who that is? <laughs> oh, my God. And it said at one point he was the most trusted man in America, which is really funny because then that kind of comes back later in this episode. Yes. I mean, the name sounded familiar. I just don't know his face. So then we go to the but Black Pearl. Stabler okay. goes, they probably pay... He goes, a guy like this, they probably, he probably paid off people for his alibi. And then they go to the Black Pearl. And they ask the waiter. He says, yeah, I saw them. She was crying and stroking his arm while he was just sitting up straight and looking around. And he basically says, he was gone and she was, like, begging him to come. Or begging her him to stay, yeah, he was like, I don't know why women cry. He was a gay man. And he's like, they're like, was it professional or personal? 
And he goes, it was personal. As in, the man was already gone. Is that all? <laughs> and then also I looked up Black Pearl, and there was a restaurant. I don't think, they, they didn't look like the same vibe at all. But there was a restaurant called the Black Pearl that was apparently on a show called Kitchen Nightmares where Gordon Ramsay comes and tries to like vamp up the restaurant, but it's still closed down after that. So I thought that was funny. So then they go back to Dallas, and he's like, yes, I was with her Monday. Being discreet. And he's like, I was good for her. I was safe, and I always called her back promptly. (laughs) And he said the night that he met up with her at that restaurant, it was because she... called him up bawling crying and he was like well I can meet you for drinks before dinner and then she says she had been sleeping with her psychotherapist and they're like well why would she confide in you and he goes because I'm a good listener and Benson is getting snarky so Stabler sends her off well I feel like she's like he's and she says like he's not going to reveal anything to me because I'm a woman. Like, you need to go in there solo. And he's like, are you okay with this? And she's like, go. Yeah. So then all of a sudden they're on a balcony together, Stabler and Dallas. And he's going to, he reveals more details about Gretchen's affair with the therapist. But he said he wouldn't testify. He said, I thought I should I thought, or I thought she should sue him. And Stabler says, it's too late for all that, you know. If you repeat what you've told me about the therapist for, say, a grand jury, and he says, no, 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 this is off the record. He said, no, this is not 60 Minutes interview here. This is a homicide investigation. He said, still, it's your word against mine, and mine is trusted around the world. And he, like, circled his finger. <laughs> And he says, how about at your own home? How good's your word there, Dallas? And Dallas is like, oh, shit. <laughs> so now they're back at the station, kind of all discussing... Who they think did it. No, no, how she still has no next of kin, because well, they still have no one... The morgue called, not. saying they need someone to claim the body, because they need room. Yeah. And so they, they go to her apartment, and they bring back stuff to the station, like so many books. And they can't get a hold of her sister still, so they are, like, reading her diaries and, I guess, things she had written. One titled, Penis Quotes, that Stabler refused to read. <laughs> Did you... Then, what? The tiny catfish thing. No. She's so Benson starts reading one of her stories. She said, What's more, what a tiny catfish feared more than the piranha? And the boss responds, Condaru. And Stabler says, Say what? And then Benson continues reading, It'll swim right into a man's penis and lodge itself there by erecting sharp spines. And then Stabler's like, that's a fish with a sense of irony. And then he looks at Krager and goes, how'd you know that? And he goes, 
In the jungle, they taught us, don't hold your nose, hold your stones. <laughs> and then they find an overdue library book. 20 years overdue. From her high school. And they find out she's from Jersey. And her name her is name different. Is so then they go back to the shrink's office. He's giving up her story. Like he's a little, uh, he's more willing to talk basically because he knows he has to. <laughs> and he reveals the, the victim's father started abusing her at, after her 13th birthday with intercourse. The minute she graduated, she ran and moved almost every year. And he said she would sleep with any man as long as she picked him before they picked her. She had a long list of deranged lovers. And Olivia chimes in, and you were her last one. And he goes, I never meant to betray her. So then we're back at Stabler's house. Let's process this. Like, how can a man do this to their own? Um, and the wife is trying to distract him with the things that their kids are doing at the time. She's like, Maureen got a B in algebra. Catherine went to the orthodontist, and she only has to get a half a retainer instead of a whole retainer. Forget about their retainers. And while he... She's saying this. He's just stripping down his clothes. And then she's like, and Elizabeth made you a Play-Doh ashtray. And then all of a sudden he's just like in his tidy grace. And he doesn't smoke. <laughs> he's like, I don't smoke. And then Dickie flushed it down the toilet. So Dickie seems to like to mess with all their stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, that was just one of those ri random up or scenes that don't really need to be there. <laughs> Filler. I know, but I was like, why? I mean, he was like, why he had to be down to his, yeah. He was getting ready for bed. I think she was, like, horny, and he was like, <laughs> I'm too into my work right now. Yeah, and then he has a six-pack, and so I guess they found a way to show it. So I guess. Tells, what? Oh, no, keep going. Munch and Cassidy, Stabler, and Olivia are all hanging out at the coffee machine or coffee break area. Um, and Munch tells Olivia Susan's sister lives in New York. Or is coming to New York? They made it sound like she had a two bedroom in Manhattan, but then she lived in Colorado, so I was confused. But they finally got a hold of her, and she's in New York. And she admits she hasn't talked to her sister in 20 years. And she said two months ago she started calling saying she wanted a relationship. But she said it's all superficial, and she's a drama queen, and no one can ever figure her out. Oh, yeah. Then they're like, oh, do you want to call some of your family to, for the funeral? And she goes, what funeral? I'm in New York to sign the papers, go to Saks, and take the next plane home. And then she walks away, and Olivia goes, well, she was molested. <laughs> like, what? 
that cool facade of hers? And uh, they said, maybe it's just living in Colorado. <laughs> Do you have the rest of this conversation? No. Oh. And she says, she dresses a little more Fifth Avenue than Rocky Mountain. And Sailor says, I'm having a fashion police blackout. He said, that outfit. Gretchen Shrink said she never touched her trust fund. So then they go, who's paying? Yeah, so then they, like, get back in touch with the, the guy at, um, what are they called? The, like, reporter Newsroom. guy. yeah. Not the, like, the, the... They're kind of, like, going to the payroll department of the newsroom. Yeah, but not the Dallas Warner one. The other one. No, no, no. The other one where the guy said... The newspaper. The whole box. Yeah. Um, and then they ask... They are somehow able to look up financial records from there, and they can look up the victims and see that she never... It's not an inheritance. It's a trust. And she's never touched her trust. And then the trust fund is, like, the dad. I guess you have to contact the dad to fig- to get money out. Her trust had $3.5 million in it. And her dad is the beneficiary. So, yeah, that's why um, she's never touched it. So then they go to Laurel Athletic Company. And this to see, visit the father. And he says, don't worry, we aren't, or they said, don't worry, we aren't here for child labor violations. And he said, we don't have any secrets here. And Olivia says, did you write this? Doesn't she say everyone does or something? No, we all have secrets. Um, and then they're just like chit-chatting and they tell him that his daughter died. And he tears up and he says... He needs to call his wife. Yeah. And they go. They say someone pushed her out of a window at her apartment on 82nd, and he responds, that's impossible. They're vacationing at the shore. And Stabler says, your second daughter, uh, born May 10th, 1967. Then he, like, calms down, and he's like, oh, Susan? Susie was lost to me a long time ago. She's a sad child. What a sad ending. And he's like, whatever. So then Olivia's immediately like, we need to recover this memory of being abused from the sister. And because they need to warn her about this other sister. And when they leave there, I don't know if you notice, but it's like Olivia's walking by the apartment where she jumped out of the window and they pan up. And that couple got that apartment, and they're, like, putting up blinds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. And then it shows, like, Benson and Cragen that night are, like, the only ones who seem to, like, not be married. Or, like, they're the only ones hanging around the office. And they're having a heart-to-heart. And she asked why he's alone tonight. And he said, he basically tells her his wife passed away but he didn't say why he just said her body was scattered over a lake no yeah she was a flight attendant and she was doing a turnaround oh, I wrote this down I messed yeah, up she then. was doing a turnaround <laughs> to DC so um 
and you know he's like you get the worst call because he offers her a drink of alcohol and she's like i thought you didn't drink and then he's like it's not for me like do you he's want like it? i don't but you can yeah and then you know they start saying that and he just shares that like yeah my wife was um on a or no going to orlando they were doing a turnaround and then i guess the flight crashed and he's like, I got the one call she always feared. Sad. I miss that, though. So then it's to the, like, the next day, and the whole school squad is trying to brainstorm on who the perp could be. Ruling out the shrink and ruling out the anger man. And they decide to talk to the sister one more time. And she's, so like, getting... For her to stay one more day. She's, like happens to be getting in her car to go to the airport and Olivia's like just stay like this is one more day of the rest of your life like you can make a difference because it's like we all know that they were both oh and Olivia goes you know that you have a ten and a half year old half sister and that's where she was like okay I'll stay because she wants to protect that little girl so then they bring in the dad and they bring in the sister to confront the dad at the station in one of the questioning rooms. I don't know. What do you call those rooms? Yeah, interrogation rooms? Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, he's like, oh, sweetie, like, being weird. Like, hi, honey, sweetie, like, talking like that. And she's like, what? Give daddy a taste of that sweetie pie? Like, being, like, sar- like grossed out and sarcastic to him. And she's like, you killed Susie. How about that? And he goes, you're making a costly mistake. Referring to her, tr- like, trust. Like, he's not going to give her money anymore. And she goes, threatening, threatening me with taking away my trust. Like, I don't care, basically. And he says I he's like don't do this I have a new family now and she goes oh I know that's why I'm here and then she pulls a letter out that her husband had just faxed her from that was from Susie do you want to read it or talk about it do you have did you write about it um she basically I didn't I just wrote cliff notes She basically just wrote her obituary. She did commit suicide, and then she says she was left by, and she says three men, and one of them was Dallas Warner, who she said was great, besides his wife and four kids. His therapist, who knew her literally inside and out, and then her dad's name. And then she, like, is... Like, the, another reason they got her to stay was they were thinking there is a, a possible way of still pressing charges if you had a lapse in memory, I guess. And so they were telling her they could maybe file charges against her dad with that. In New Jersey. And she... Um, anyways, so then she's, like, crying. She's literally crying on him. Because she's probably like, what the hell? Like, you've ruined everyone's life. 
And then that's where it ended, kind of, right? another there's like a few pub like public suicides like that that have happened I feel like in the last few years a girl like or I don't know if it was a girl or a woman but like at happy hour did it and that bar stayed open wait in New York? yeah she just like randomly just jumped off in front of the bar? like on a rooftop and then 
I think someone did it out of their apartment. I was like, I think she used to be like a playmate or something. And she was having, it's really fucked up. She was having like, was getting a divorce or something and then had to like. Yeah, custody battle. And she took her seven-year-old with her. I guess that's why I was like, oh my gosh, she just died. Like, alone. Poor thing. Is there anything that you're obsessed with this week? Um, I started watching that, like, Hot Wings show on YouTube where the guy interviews guests and they eat hot wings the whole time. Oh my gosh, I've been watching some of those too. And it goes from, like, level... I watched, like, a really old one, and so you can tell the hot sauces weren't as nice as they are now. But Aubrey Plaza was, like, my favorite. And I watched... I think I started with Post Malone as my first one I saw. Is it funny? Well, they started with, like, Sriracha. Yeah. And I think he's like, I've never had this. And I was like, what the crap? <laughs> they started with things that are like pretty dang basic especially in Texas where he's also from um yeah and now it's not like that like Aubrey Plaza was like literally took milk and put it up her nose she's yeah, like and I, so I watched one I guess it was the first of a, a season because then I guess that whole season has the same hot sauce mm. so then they'll use that those same did you oh. see Jeff Goldblum? No. I watched Chrissy Teigen's, and hers was funny, because she's like, well, I'm too full, so she would just lick them. I know. I was like, what? Maybe she just didn't like the way they taste. I don't know. Because I think I watched Doc Shepard, too, and he was like, uh, are these, like, 30-day-old wings, and then you guys just dip them in the sauce because they're cold, and they don't seem, like, new. And he didn't, like... He... None of them, like, affected him at all. And he was like, well, I don't feel like I'm being entertaining, then. And the guy was like, just... They're not being hot, then that's fine. Yeah. Okay, my favorite thing right now, or this week, is my Shiner. They have a rosé pale ale. I'll show you. Have you seen this? No. But I don't like beer. It is... A marriage of pale ale with grape must and aged in American white oak barrels. It's delicious. For summer, but it's limited. I'm just, like, on my Amperol Spritz game, and that's it. Well, happy summer. It's the adult orange soda. Okay, well, thank y'all for listening. Start watching episode three with us, so when we can discuss it, um, you'll know what we're talking about. And happy birthday, Anthony Bourdain. It's National Tony Day now. R.I.P. That is your dream. Your dream, man. Yeah. 
R.I.P. We miss you so much. All right. It's, I can't have my AC on while we're doing this, and it's really <laughs> fucking hot, so I got to go. <laughs> Bye. Can you say dun dun?